You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to the PJ's Cast. I am your host, Pierce, joined alongside Jimmy. How's it going, Jimmy? Oh, it's going all right. Glad to be back. Yeah, I know. It's been exactly a month since we've done a podcast. The last, <laughs> the last the podcast we did was with uh, Chris Peters, if you remember that. That just seems like forever ago. Right now, time just seems like non-existent or whatever. And and obviously, in the last month, so much crazy shit has happened around the world. Um, obviously, like everything that's happened, the whole George Floyd situation, the Black Lives Matter. I mean, what else is there? I mean, what else is there to say that hasn't already been said? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, I was just, I just wanted to make it brief and short. But if you're just going through a tough time right now and you're one of those people that is feeling, feels like they're discriminated and needs someone to talk to, you know, I'm always, I'm always there to talk. I want to do my part. And just over the past month, it's been certainly an interesting time to, especially like kind of learning not because I'm from Canada and a lot of the stuff that's happening in the U.S. right now, it's mostly in the U.S. I meant, but just kind of over this past month, I've been learning a lot more about Canadian history and just, you know, there's been a few people saying, oh, I'm glad I live in Canada and not in the U.S. And I'm like, no, it's just Canada. It's, we're just as bad pretty much as Americans are. We just do a better job of hiding it up. And I'm not, I'm not sure if that's worse, but. No, I think you guys, at, I think, well, I guess you know, being from the U.S., I can't really say, you know, I haven't really, I've been to Canada, but it seems like, yeah, it, it's, it's tough because for sure the U.S., it's more, pre- I guess it's more prevalent here, but yeah, this, just this area, the North American, just, area overall was it wasn't founded on great reasons um and no people don't want to talk about that or admit it it seems uh mostly is a reason for pride and not wanting to admit that our country or countries have been founded on you know uh blood uh sexual assault and uh plenty of racism and uh genocide but um and you know that's the past and all you know, I mean, like I should, I should rephrase that. It's that that happened, and it would be the past if we didn't, if we hadn't really grown from that in a negative way. Like we, we haven't fully let go of those things. We still have a football team in America named the Washington Redskins. We still have a team named the Cleveland Indians. We still have systematic racism very much prevalent in America. And I, I can't speak for you, Pierce, you're from Canada, I'm not, but I feel like 
I feel like, you know, racism doesn't just pick a country. You know what I mean? Like that's something that it's just kind of not in people's nature, but it's so, it's so, it was so, it's been so normal in society for a long time. Like you look back at God, even the nineties, like I, I usually people talk about the fifties and how bad things were then, but you can look back 20 years from now. Um, and there's like plenty of like, like common media, like movies and shows, things like that. And, you know, the jokes made back then and like the tropes are fucking terrible. Uh, pardon me. It's really, really frustrating to look back on and for people to, to look at that and, and say that, oh, we've like, is to act as if we've moved past that in some way. I, 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 I'll stop my tangent there, but I guess just to say that um, anybody going through it right now and um, especially the black community right now, um, you know, standing up for themselves, we stand with you. We stand with all of you. And uh, I don't think it should be political to say that, but regardless of it, uh, if it is or isn't, we stand with you for sure. Yeah, that's one thing I've, that's pissed me off the most. Of this, <laughs> people Like, why is this such an issue for people to just like be treated equally like it's not it's not taking it away anything from you they just want the same rights as you do that's i don't i don't get it why this is such a big issue but yeah kind of going back to canada and you put it quite well about what's going on in the u.s right now um canada we're definitely not free for racism again i brought this up many i've seen a lot of things where it's like i'm glad canada doesn't have this problem it's like it's probably just as bad as the u.s and Again, the only way that it's not as well known is because we don't have as much media here. We have a better job of, I guess, covering it up. But just our treatment of, uh, like, uh, Indigenous people have, have been terrible ever since this country was founded over 150 years ago. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's somebody. I have a friend from Canada um, who's of Indigenous descent, and she, she speak, she's uh, talked about that a lot, how, like, you know, it, it's not just one race. Like, people are like you, you're different you're different like that's it's an awful mindset it's just everywhere like you know, nobody looks nobody like well unless uh for specific reasons nobody looks at one fucking race and says oh like you know like that's just the one i don't like and if you do you know if you do you're still racist but it's it's just this mindset that if someone's different they're they're weird to them but it like it's just it's so childish i, know. I, can't, I can't get over this shit man i know i just can't rationalize it i work with everyone from different walks of life like black people gay people i just don't understand the hate they're all nice people that i've interacted with and i don't know why we just generalize this particular like uh group of people and hate on them and again (laughs) trying to get back to canadian racism um Again, yeah, I interrupted you. I apologize. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, no worries. No worries. Yeah, you've been making good points. But yeah, it's been interesting to hear what you say. But um, just we've been treated, we've treated uh, Indigenous people terribly in Canada. Have you ever heard of uh, reg- residential schools? Because Yes, that's exactly what she told me about my friend. Yeah, yeah. residential oh. schools, where they basically just assimilated um, um, Native people of their culture. They tortured them they hurt them and sexually assaulted them just every terrible thing under the sun they did to them and it's and not just the native people but also we've traded uh in world war ii we took uh we put japanese people in internment camps 
um, basically stripped them away of all their belongings and stuff. And we never like apologized to them. Well, we did in like the late nineties, I think, but we never gave them like a, like a proper apology. It was kind of just like, it felt like it was just out of, yeah, we had to do it or whatever, you know, like, it was yeah, it's just a shushing here. Yeah, basically. And it's, there's still problem. Cops still kill minority groups here in Canada. And it's just, I hate when people, as much as I love Canada, I hate when people say, yeah, Canada is, is perfect. We're all, we're clean of that when it's in fact the opposite of it. But what we can do is we can learn from what yeah. we've done. And I was talking with some people that are like a bit older than I am and they never learned in like uh, junior high or high school, but residential schools. So good progress that's gone forward is that we're starting to learn about these things. I think it's important that we, yeah we're taught about these things and and that's a big thing in this world we need to be taught that racism can only be taught no one is born a racist and we there needs to be more education on on this and especially in canada and the u.s there needs to be a lot of that like i'm I'm speaking for canada but there's resident we learned about residential schools but we need to learn more about that you know japanese and uh internment camps and i forget what the, the thing was called but there's this awful thing where police officers in saskatchewan i think it was they would just take um indigenous people and drop them off in the middle of nowhere and just leave them there let them starve i forget what the correct term for it is but because there's like yeah. a specific name for it but it's just it's awful the way that i don't know the most about it but i from my knowledge i mean back in during the world wars we were we were enslaving people um from overseas and we were you know torturing them like we we didn't we weren't um any less bad than who we were fighting against you know sure we didn't have hitler over here but aside from him like we were pretty fucking awful with some of the things we did um this country yeah Canada and, and the u.s didn't take jews in during world war ii before they ended up getting right. back to Europe and killed. Like, Yeah, there's a lot of skeletons in the closet. I guess to kind of cap it off, this whole conversation, I guess the thing is that I, like myself, um, uh, I think you would agree, Pierce, is that I, I, I urge everybody, especially people um, with white skin like myself, to be open to engage in uncomfortable conversations. Yes, having white privilege isn't something that, we should be proud of. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And yeah, maybe we are we maybe we aren't the ones right now who created white privilege, but you know what? Here we are right now with it. And us denying that and pushing it down and acting as if it doesn't exist isn't going to change any issues. It's only protecting our pride and nothing more. And if our pride is worth more than the equality of people of color, then I'm not really sure what to tell you. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, like, this whole thing, I don't understand why it's such <laughs> it's, a big issue, why it's, like, such a big pushback, but we stand with the people that are peacefully protesting and just want to ha- be treated just as how we are, and we stand with those people, and actually there was a uh, a rally, or protest, whatever you want to call it, in Edmonton, and there's 20,000 people, so... <laughs> even though you see the worst in humanity with how we treat our fellow human beings of different skin color, but there's also another side where we can unite together and be together as one and not treat each other differently just because, or treat each other worse just because our skin colors are different. So. Another thing too is like, like 
please nobody talk try to talk for uh black people or anybody of color for that matter like that's something i've seen a lot too like you you don't understand what it's like don't tell me that oh this one guy bullied me in high school i I was bullied in high school i understand no this is completely different this isn't just individual this is not this is not about um individual racism only this is about like systematic racism and having to change the entire system this isn't just something that happens one-on-one like it happens sure that happens plenty of that happens for sure we all know that but this is so much more than that and i i urge everybody to not try to speak for black people but i i urge you to try to strengthen their voice kind of lift them up in the crowd that's like if you we have this privilege you know white we have white privilege so let's make use of it let's you know use it for good that's all i can say that kind of brings up a point that i wanted to make um black people are not an encyclopedia for racism you need to go do your own research and learning and that's a that's like i'm pretty sure i brought that up already but in this time we need to listen we need to learn and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah if you if you don't know any of this stuff like just go go look it up because there's been so many oh man there's plenty of history there's plenty of history history like it's just no man i really don't like talking about this not because you know aha you're white I have white privilege or whatever, but just like, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard everything from. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that it's like, yeah, I mean, we've, you, you go on Twitter, you go on social media, everyone's already heard every damn thing under the sun. But I think I can, I think I can agree with you that we just wanted to, you know, just, I think it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right to start this off without saying, and uh, I think speaking a bit on this and, you know, just, you know, mentioning that we stand with everybody going through this. I just feel like it would be, it wouldn't be, uh, we, well, we both agreed. It wouldn't be right that it would, you know, it wouldn't be right to, to start us off any other way. Yeah. So my, my whole thing is just learn from our past, like what we've done in the past and how we can change that and listen to the voices of different people because i think a big problem in the world it seems like is that we just never listen to each other we always just make assumptions based off someone's skin color or whatever just we gotta learn lesson be patient it's gonna take a while but if we keep up with this i think there's gonna be a lot of change changes and happen in a couple of days it happens over a very long period of time again we stand with the people that are peacefully protesting shout to them god be with them that they're safe and again if you're someone who might be in that situation um my dms are open and i think jimmy's will be as well oh for sure yes talk and yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that's all i have to say do you have anything to say more no i uh, honestly couldn't say it better myself and uh you mentioned um you know learning from our past let's talk about a team that has not learned from their past, the oh, Buffalo Sabres. Transition. I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah. Really <laughs> easy one there. Uh, so I, if you want to uh, mention what just happened there in Buffalo today. Yeah, so it's it's, it's always going to be a weird transition talking to what we just talked about. <laughs> I was sitting there. I'm like, I got to – yeah, I got to do something here because <laughs> this is – there's just so much – terrible shit going in the world there's no way to really go from talking about that to hockey but there you go oh yeah the buffalo sabers yeah 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 (laughs) all right so i'm just gonna look at uh, elliot freeman's uh timeline right here just because i think it puts it quite well so 
Tweet from the Buffalo Sabres. We have relieved Jason Botterill of his duties as general manager. Senior Vice President of Business, Business Administration Kevin Adams has been named general manager. Elliot Freeman just quote tweets it and says, well, right after that, more changes are coming in Buffalo. I believe several members of hockey operations are being let go. Then after that, Buffalo has released AHL Rochester head coach Chris Taylor. Um, hang on. Uh, full release. This one comes up as a bit of a surprise. Rochester had improved over the last couple of years, so that's interesting. <laughs> And then the next tweet after that, Buffalo has also released director of amateur scouting, Ryan Jankowski, and a good chunk of amateur staff. Just an ugly day. And holy shit, Buffalo. Like, it's been, it's been almost like 2011 is the last year they made the playoffs. And Jack Eichel effect, man. That, that kid is kicking shit around there. It just feels like – do you remember that one game where I think it was Milan and the Chiefs just absolutely leveled Ryan Miller? And that's when everything fell apart, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's where everything <laughs> fell apart because I want to say that year, it was 2011-2012. It was. Um, I'm pretty sure they were, like, in a playoff spot right in the thick of it. That's what I want to know. Like after that, they okay. completely dropped it. And just ever since then, they – haven't done anything of like any significance like it just seems like they're going backwards and backwards like they traded ryan miller didn't get like a whole ton like their franchise going didn't get a whole bunch back for him and no, they didn't. Yeah, i always think of that year the 2014-2015 year where they were actively tanking they got jack eichel which even though it isn't Connor mcdavid like you should that's still a franchise player and I remember Tim Murray just like being frustrated, visibly frustrated that he didn't get Connor McDavid, especially like after they actively. It was so obvious. It was so obvious. And if I remember right, Edmonton, Edmonton wasn't even like trying to tank. Like they just were bad. They just just (laughs) sucked McDavid. Yeah, they just sucked McDavid. So good. Just amazing. Nothing. I mean, they're drafting Alex Nylander, who obviously is still at the organization. A horrible pick by them. And then the next year, 2017, Casey Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, awful. He's had God. trouble. He's had so trouble. glad Alex Nylander isn't in my organization. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. 2018, they were lucky enough to draft Rasmus Dahlin, who's been fine at the NHL level. I mean, it's it's not his fault, but it's just – oh, man. Like, I, I don't know what the thing – what's wrong with Buffalo. Like – I look at some of the moves Jason Botter has made. Like, I like how he got Jeff Skinner. Never really gave up anything with significance. I think he gave up, like, a second, a third, and some, like, like prospect. Like, not, that's not that good or whatever. Yeah. But I can't remember who the prospect was. It's, it's eluding me. But I just remember it being a trade where it's like, oh, it's not a bad trade. And then they got – oh, man, I hate talking about this one. <laughs> they traded away Alex Nylander. For Jesus fucking uh, <laughs> I hate oh – Talking God. about incompetent management. But, like, these aren't bad trades. And I don't see why they fired him. I really don't – yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm on that side. But, like, I just – what's wrong with Buffalo? Like, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a Sabres fan. I don't pay much attention to him. Like, obviously, Jack Eichel is their franchise player. But – is it just something in the water there? Do they not have the right players? Like, what's what's like, what's the problem there? I yeah. really don't know. It, I don't, dude. It, it's so it's so frustrating, um, because I feel like we we definitely are the are the only two people who just want to see like you know see a team do well, like especially a team with Jack Eichel on it. Like, yeah, this is this guy's gonna be one of the premier centers in the league for years to come. There's like, I I have no. Uh, 
no issue saying that. Like, I'm sure I'll be right. Anyone else can say it too. And they'll be right too. Like he's going to be a star for a long time. And I mean, personally, I just, I just think there's something on the water. Um, I think the owner, uh, from what I've seen, this, this is just me going off of like Buffalo Sabres Twitter mentions, like the fans just seem to be fed up with ownership. It's the Pagulas. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they, they don't really like – it's more of an investment, in which, you know, it should be. It's business, but it sounds like they don't really care about them uh, any more than just dollar signs, which you that we were talking about this before the podcast. You'll get that. The thing about Buffalo is that they bring in money, like, from – they bring in those ratings. Uh, yeah, they bring in ratings. Like, they're not going to get moved. They shouldn't get moved, at least. Like, they bring it in. It, it's all about performance. Like, they – and just something not going right in that front office. There's just something is wrong there. And, I, I mean, I guess that uh, – I guess fans, from what I'm seeing as well, didn't like Botterill. But uh, that one, I'm just going to go from uh, – just from a general hockey fan's perspective from the outside and say – I can't really agree unless there's something i don't know about that they know that i mean i mean shit dude getting finding a way to trade alex nylander for henry yoki Haru, like that deserves a gold medal on its own and i mean i like i like them picking up uh cahoon for uh rodriguez and shiri and i know that that's a late player connor shiri to you exactly i'm gonna be honest i there's one thing about buffalo fans there's one player that I really don't get their love for. And I know Evan Rodriguez has really good underlying numbers, or at least he did the year before, but like, I just don't see it with him. I I don't see it on the ice. Like, you know, I'm sure that he's an effective player, but like, I'm sure that, you know, like uh, two months after I say this, he's going to go with Pittsburgh. He's going to score 20 goals in the playoffs and get a five-year contract because Pittsburgh. But yeah, I just, I don't think that either of those players are really that much. Um, aside from Connor Sheary being the next Martin St. Louis, but I don't I, I think I mean I Cahoon's a great pickup. Like I, this guy this guy's putting decent pieces around this uh around Eichel. And I mean it's hard to you, you can't fix it overnight, but I don't think he's the issue. I don't think you need to fire that guy. Like what what does that do for you? Like what what is what does this move do for the team that they needed? Like please tell me. I, I really don't know. I, yeah. I pulled up their uh, their cap friendly. Like, what the hell do you do with this team? Like, obviously, yeah. that's that guy goal, $10 million. Dollars, to it's totally worth it for the production that he does. And Jeff Skinner, $9 million, had an off year, but I don't, I don't ever think he was worth that money. Kyle Ocposley. Oh, I, I guess I forgot about that one. That, okay. That I have to agree with Buffalo Sabres. Kyle, it was a ridiculous contract. Kyle Pozo, he was just part of that 2016 fragrant class. Where That's not his fault. Money, and I want to say that he had like a like a career threatening injuries, but it's good as he got back. Was it two back injuries he had? I can't remember what it was, but I know it was like career threatening, and he got back in there, so which is good. But like that contract, six four more years at six million. And then Wayne Simmons, Marcus Johansson, like these guys. They're just older. They don't have enough young pieces with Jack Eichel from what I've no, seen. Good ones. That's the problem. Sam Reinhardt they got, which is he's actually kind of underrated, at least in his offensive production. <laughs> it's so funny because he was, he was – he underperformed so badly. Like, so much that now he's underrated. Yeah, as a – what was he, like a second overall pick? Yeah, I want to say Jesus. one ahead of uh, Dreisaitl. It was ahead of Dreisaitl. I know that because, God – I've heard that comparison so many times. You know, looking at them, it's 
it's tough because I, I understand where Sabres fans are coming from and their frustration with um, with the with Botterill, at least from what I was seeing. I uh, like it sounds like they are, but like, what do you like? You said, what do you do with this? Like, what do you do with this team, man? Like, I mean, you can hope that you're going to get a nice UFA here or there. I mean, the Jeff Skinner contract's really the only one where I'm like, I that I really dislike the Wayne Simmons move doesn't make any sense. That would I mean, be like, works out nice, but like it's just it, if how, he resigns, yeah. Work out, yeah. If he doesn't resign, it's a nothing move. Um, I mean, like you know, I'm glad that Wayne Simmons will get to go to the playoffs, like he, uh, like they uh, obviously planned for him to uh, do when they trade. I'm pretty sure on that trade, there's like a condition on the pick. It's like. They get a fourth round pick if they make the playoffs. I'm like, oh, so you get a fifth round pick. Yeah. Like, it's, it's wasn't it was it Botterill that said that? Or oh, no, no, no. It was I think it was the Devils GM or somebody where they were like, oh, we just want we want him to be able to go back to the playoffs. His Buffalo sits near the very bottom of the NHL. It's amazing. The trade deadline was like three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting around like, today and I'm like I could, I could be like, I think the training, like the, the development camp would be in like a month and it just made me so, I just broke my heart. Like we'd be in the finals right now. We would have been past the finals. We might, we might have made even over by now. Yeah. The playoffs. Um, the draft would be in like less than a week. Jesus. Like the, or no, it would have been on the 26th, which instead is uh, the draft lottery, which is going to be interesting. You know, I like Buffalo's defense. Just yeah, like, going to the rest of their forwards, like they just don't have enough impact, like players that are, that are kind of in the same range, age range as Franco. Uh, they got Jimmy VC, Gergen Sins, Larson, Kahuna. It's not bad at 24. Mm-hmm. Same with Olafson, who had a pretty good year. I think he got injured, but just. Mr. Power Play merch himself. <laughs> yeah, not enough of those players. And yeah, look at their defense. Rasmus is the line, and uh, he's incredibly like over like his analytics are terrible but like in a bottom pairing role he would be all right and you look at the other defensemen they have you probably could put him in a bottom pairing or at least a second pair i love that five million bottom pairing rasmus was to line in the yeah that's the problem or, like get him on the power play and make sure he's like in a sheltered role like uh, colin Eric, Eric's like, literally just like a better eric gustafson yeah finish eric gustafson who's yeah <laughs> and right-handed um yeah and better but yeah Colin Miller, like Brandon Montour, those are decent guys you can play in your top four. And and same with Yogi Hari when Rasmus Dahlin. Like they no, I, that's such a hot pairing, players. dude. That's such a hot pairing. God. Like that's just that's gotta be your top pairing for years to come. Like I just don't understand why it's it's not working out. And again, if there's any Sabres fan listening to this, I I wanna I wanna hear why like like I don't pay much attention to the team. Why are they not doing well like i don't i don't understand what yeah what should i will what 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 do you think they could do like what's going on like it's such a weird this team is baffling to me like looking at them like i just don't it's just so flat and like they should be getting these first round picks year in year out like they should be they need to be hitting these like casey middlestat needs to be your second line center sam reinhardt should have been a top line like a more than just a serviceable top line winger like at number two overall yeah pick I mean, I think Dylan Cousins will be decent, but like again, like <laughs> looking uh, at the track record, like I mean, how am I? I can't say that confidently. I should. I would have gone Trevor Zegers if I were them. Oh, easily. 
Um, Cousins was the safe pick in my opinion. That's that's oh definitely he'll play in the NHL. It's just a matter of like I think he'll be like a nice second liner. It's just a matter of will he play in a first like make a first line impact kind of role thing. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking at their goaltending stats. Carter Hunt has an 898 save percentage. So obviously goaltending looks to be a part of the issue. What about uh <laughs> I'm looking at their buyout history. They still have Christian Airhoff, Billy Lately, Cody Hodgson, Vlad Oh Jesus. That's another problem that has kind of been underrated. Wait a second. Hold up, hold up. Christian Airhoff, how long has this man signed for? I don't know. What the fuck? It still says he's bought out. They're not paying him any money. I think it was um uh, an amnesty buyout, so it didn't count towards the cap, but they're still paying them like actual money. Uh, and it still goes to 2025-26. Excuse me. Wow. Um they gave him a 10-year contract. I know. I was Christian Erhoff ever 10 years good? I think I want to say that Buffalo got him the year after Kristen Erhoff was part of the Vancouver Canucks team that went to the finals. So, yeah, Jesus. I mean, if I was in that team, I would have fucked off somewhere else too. Not to Buffalo, but wow. Yeah, he had 50 points that year. I mean, he was he was pretty solid in his uh in his prime. I'm looking at Linus Allmark, their other goalie, and he had really good stats: two six nine save percentage, nice, and a nine fifteen save percentage on that shitty ass team. So they got at least one goaltender there. Is like I, I, I don't know, man. I, I really Carter don't. Know. Carter Hutton's fine, right? Is he just no, no, no. Carter Hutton was not good. He had eight ninety eight. Oh, oh. And like, but Lyon Flomer, he had a nine fifteen save percent. That's like perfectly fine, especially on that team. That's crappy. Yeah. I knew, I knew Mark was at least decent, and they had um. Was- oh my God, what's his face? That uh. Yeah, that one guy coming up. Luka Pekka, yeah, he's what a great name. Yeah, I know, that's the he's best. coming up. I think Jonas Jonas Johansson. That's another great name. I think he's <laughs> supposed to be good too. Um, let's see what his stats are like. Let's see. Yeah, I like Olmark. I don't know if he's a career. I don't know if I see him as a career starter, but. Like one A one B kind of thing, right? Right. Like I don't know if I see him as anything too crazy. He wow. He had a Johansson had five games in the AHL. Oh, that was last year. He had twenty two games in the AHL this year. Nine twenty one save percentage. Six games in the AHL. Eight ninety four. So that's kind of. He's twenty four. He's still young. It's not a big deal. Um, I will say though, the games I watched him. I can't wait. I, I love because like, whenever I say stuff like this, I'm like, I know that in five years, this guy's gonna win a Vezina, and just I'm gonna sit here in shame. But the games I saw, like the highlights I saw him playing, and like he did not look good either. Like his, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing. Um, but yeah, apparently he's gonna be pretty good. His stats look good enough, so that's not a bad piece at all. Ukopekalukanen. I just want to see his stats, anyways. Like. I guess if anybody's listening, they don't know who this guy is. He, oh, 10 games in the AHL this year, 874. I want to say he's only like, I think he's only 20 or 21. And oh, he's say, young. He's like 21. I want to say he played like mostly in the ECHL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had a 912 in the ECHL this year. That's not horrible. Yeah, like yeah, he's, he's young. I wouldn't worry about him playing in the E or the A specifically either. So I have Linus Olmark's stats pulled up on natural stat tricks. His goal saved above average. 
Um, it's nine to eight, which is eighth in the NHL behind some of the elite names like Rask, Hellebuck, and Vasilevsky and all that. And his goals against average at uh, even strength is 2.14, and his save percentage is 9.30. Just to put that in perspective, uh, that's better than Corey Crawford's. That's really solid shit. I mean, you're and you're on the Buffalo Sabres. Like, I mean, yeah. on paper, their defense is better, but like, you know, they're not any less of a shit show, right? Yeah. I don't know. But like just looking at everything there, that looks like a decent like at least one A and one B kind of kind of goaltender. Yeah. Maybe even starter it. if you have like a decent backup with him. Right. You know, friend of mine, well, I had a couple of things about the Sabres I want to bring uh to here. I'm not gonna name names just because I haven't asked these people if I can uh, mention their Twitter handles on this. But um one friend of mine had mentioned the idea of Corey Crawford going to Buffalo. For them, that would make sense, definitely. Right, right. Like, I feel like that would – you'd have to really go all in, and I'm not sure how that would work for them. Maybe you give them, like, three years, three mil per year or something like that. You know, maybe he takes a pay cut as, like, a going-out contract. Um, and maybe and you go – you just – you tell your team, like, we have, you know, three years to get this shit in order. And, you know, this guy is pl- still playing at a high level. He's not really showing any signs of regression. He's won two Stanley Cops. Here's your guy. So I actually really like that one, and one that would uh, <laughs> it's gonna make Buffalo Sabres fans hurt even more, um, is the idea that it's totally hypothetical. There's no no rumors to back this up, so I'm just completely spitballing here from what my friend my friend's idea. What if when Patrice Bergeron retires, Boston boy Jack Eichel goes back to there as the number one center of the Boston Bruins? Which I think makes too much sense. Fuck! Why do you, not even when Bergeron retires? What about why? Like why not? Like right now? Like honestly, you know what? Well, how long is he signed for? I want to say. I don't think it wouldn't matter, right? Not right now. He could just tell them to trade him. They wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. They'd do it. He probably has that power. Say, yeah, trade me to Boston. I want to win a cup. And dude, he just Robert. wiped out their front office today. I think he has all the power he needs. Yeah. And that's a, that's another thing that we kind of haven't brought up. Like, how much of a say does Jack Eichel have in it? Because there's been some kind of whispers that when uh, – I think it was when Dan, Bil- Dan Belsma got fired. and I forget who, who the GM back then. I can't remember if the GM got fired too, but I know he was a big part of uh, – I think Dan he was Murray and Bilesma at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what – fucking Tim Murray. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they got fired both at the same time, and I want to say Jack Eichel, there was a lot of whispers that he had a huge part in that, so – I wonder if, like, he just gets so fed up that he gets – he just asks for trades because he just kind of seems like that kind of a guy who maybe has a bit of an ego. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but just from all I've been hearing, maybe he would want to leave. Because I've always kind of thought the same about Connor McDavid where it's like, how long – like, how long can you take this? How much do you put up with this shit, man? Yeah, but, like, like, that's a thing for hockey players. Like, they're so loyal, but, like, what's the point where it's just, like, the breaking point where it's like, all right, I can't do this no more. But Connor McDavid, there's, like, like last year I was, like, wondering, like, like, what's the way that Edmonton's going? Like, is he going to want to stay here going forward? Like, how much can he take? And then just obviously this year they're actually in a position where they can maybe make the playoffs. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, um. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jack Eichel kind of seems like the person where it's like, where nothing changes. Maybe he asked to a trade, and Boston Bruins wouldn't that just be such a story? A team oh, in their own division, 
Jack Eichel coming home. The thing is, like, what what would Boston give back? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so let, let's do that. Let's let's uh, hypothetical hypothetical space like uh, for hypothetical sakes, who would they give back to Buffalo? Obviously, Buffalo I have to say, man, you know what's just so good is when Jack Eichel goes to Boston. Everyone's like, oh god, you know, everyone's terrified of Boston even more than they are already. I'm not that for terrified. I think the pretenders, but that's different. Um, Boston fans, it, I I can't wait till they rip apart Jack Eichel because he's not the Boston mold. He is not the Boston player whatsoever. Well, I don't I don't think really their team. They've kind of gone away from the big bad Bruins. They're more of a a skilled team, kind of like when you think of the 2011 team, it's like it was like Lucic and Chara. Well, Chara's still there, but like Lucic is gone and. Charles kind of like in a lesser role, but like they're kind of more skilled. Like they do have some bite, but like they're more skilled than they were, I'd say. Yeah, I guess like Pasternak is a pretty prime example of just like just finesse and nothing else. But I, I don't know. I just seeing Tyler Sagan, reminding remembering Tyler Sagan and how that whole thing went. I mean, obviously the I, uh, I mean, what you do on the ice makes up for it. But like I could totally see like he would be the perfect whipping boy for them like he, he just seems like the- he was the whipping boy the only reason why they traded him because his like shooting percentages were pretty ridiculous oh well. yeah oh yeah i want to say he only scored one goal in like 60 or 70 shots like it's some ridiculous like that. that was so stupid that i i yeah whatever that i anything i'm sure he's done that a couple times he did that with saying and then he did that with Everly in edmonton that's i mean thank god that jordan Eberle hasn't done anything after that yeah. Um. Oh man. Buffalo? You wouldn't give a Pasternak. There's no way. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. No like, way. if you're getting Eichel, it's to play with Pasternak. Oh yeah. That's like that's um, what you go with for because they're pretty much the same age. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, that's like the only piece that really matches up at all. But like, you'd have to. I mean, you're giving up a first round pick. You're giving up everything. Draft. Oh yeah, you're definitely. There's definitely like a first round pick, like probably two first round picks. You think you're going? You're going your first this year, the next year, a second this year, maybe your second next year, and a decent prospect. No, that seems like a bit. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. But let's pull up the Boston Bruins cap friendly. So one thing, uh, one name that's kind of came to mind for me, uh, Jake DeBrusque. Ooh, but Boston fans really like him. Jake DeBrusque, yeah. He, and another – See, speak another, to Boston Mold. He's – oh, boomers and young fans love that guy. I know. He's like – that's the thing about the Bruins. They got a lot of – like, they got a few guys where it's kind of like you kind of got that bite, but you also got that finesse and skill. And I think that uh, Jake DeBrusque has both of that. But I think a player that would have to go back is Charlie Coyle because he signed that long-ass extension and uh, – uh, yeah. Buffalo would need a center back, so definitely Charlie Coyle. Um, <laughs> Jack Eichel replacement, Charlie Coyle. Yeah, uh, Jake DeBrusque, definitely. Maybe one of their defensemen, like Brendan Carlo or Matt Grizzly, like one of those two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to look at, like, who else would they have? This? They don't have any, like, grade-A prospects. But... There's no way this happens, like, for the good of Buffalo. Like, this, oh, no. this is just Jack Eichel going, like, like maybe anymore. Maybe Sanishin who went ahead of guys like Kyle Connor and Brock Besser, like Erho back in nine and like one of their decent prospect defensemen, but like I <laughs> the, basically to sum it up, there's no way in hell Buffalo would ever win that trade. No, <laughs> no, you're just cycle. getting what you can, you're salvaging it. Yeah. I mean, this is Boston though. I'm sure there are teams that could give up something 
like, well, there are definitely teams that give up something better, but like, I mean, I could, but I could totally see him saying like, get me home. I mean, he'll want to be out he'll be, he'll want to go anywhere, but I'm sure that Boston would be, uh, I mean, when you know, like, dude, the PR with that, the PR you could get with this, just so much, just, oh my God, it'd be perfect for Boston. Oh, yeah. Perfect for Eichel. It's a perfect match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. As great of an idea as it is, unfortunately, I just don't see it happening. Just like, you know, realistically. A team I could see him going to could be. I wish. Totally. <laughs> you know what? No. The Penguins. The Penguins. He's going to go to the Penguins. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's in. No, no. They're, they're going to somehow tr- like package like Sherry in a two first round picks and like and then Jim Rutherford's gonna do some like some old Bowman like cap wizard bullshit and make it work like it's totally Connor Sherry back hey Jack Eichel fair enough (laughs) yeah you can say whatever you want as long as we have Marty St. Louis too Marty St. Louis 2.0 exactly hey who has a Stanley Cup Marty St. Louis so does Connor Sherry Exactly. Oh, Connor Sherry has two Stanley Cups, so I think exactly. he's, already he's, made his, he's already made his mark. I don't know why we're saying he's the future Marty St. Louis. He's well, already he's better mark. than Marty St. Louis. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sick. I'm sick of these damn comparisons. <laughs> Not fair to Connor Sherry. Oh God. So Buffalo, how Buffalo fans, if you're listening to this, how the fuck do you fix this team? What's the problem? Looking at it. They don't have enough elite talent, elite young talent around Jack Eichel. Their defense, like, it looks good on paper. I, I don't understand why it's not working out there. And goaltending, uh, Carter Hunt is not good, but, like, Linus Allmark, he looks, like, decent as, like, maybe a 1A, 1B kind of situation. Maybe you bring up one of your younger goalies, like Johansson or Ukopeka Lukanen. Is it just something beyond that? Like, is there something in the water there? Is, like, management? Like, I, I really don't know. I really want to hear it, and I didn't do much research, so uh, maybe. And they did do a thirty-one thoughts podcast. So maybe I'll have to listen to that after. You know, it's a perfect fit for Eichel. What? Nashville. Nashville. Oh my god! Oh my god! I would, I would shoot myself, but he's perfect. They, they need that. He's that number one center. They've. They need that superstar number one. Player, yeah. Uh, yeah. As much as I hate that, it makes so much <laughs> makes sense. too much sense. That's the problem. But who would Nashville give up is the problem. Like Nick Benino, he's better than Patrick Kane. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Nick Benino easily. No, I. Fuck, I mean, you'd have to give up Johansson or Granlund. Like one of those is going, and who yeah. moves the shit? You definitely have to give up Johansson just so there's money going back the other way. Right. Like, right. Johansson. Johansson makes like eight million. I think. What a- he makes eight million a year for. I, I just want to pull. Okay, last tangent. I'm going to go on. I just want I just want to mention this just because we're a well whether we like to admit it or not we're a Blackhawk centric podcast. Oh yeah. For sure. Right. So no denying no shame. Being a Blackhawks fan on a Blackhawks centric podcast I'd like to talk shit about the Nashville Predators. Ryan Johansson is paid yeah bunch of jerks bunch of hillbillies fuck you. Bunch of hillbillies. Ryan Johansson is paid 8 million dollars a year. To give you 36 points in 68 games. Ooh, that's not good. Before that, 64. Before that, 54. 61, 34. He's not very great. He's very good. He's pretty solid. He's not $8 million. 
is he a legit first line center even? He probably Oh no, he's a really good second line center. He's a like I really and the thing is I really like Ryan Johansson. I like his game a lot, but he's not he's not a number one center. Like on a bad team. He totally I, I still believe this if Johansson was healthy in that 2017 cup run. I think Nashville. Was oh yeah, there. oh yeah. Oh, if they had like anything in their center depth, fucking Frederick Goudreau. <laughs> Colin Sissons had to play number one. Number was, one. Oh, was he? he yeah. Oh and my like, god. And like Mike Fisher too. Yeah, like well, like the skeleton of Mike Fisher at that point. Yeah. And then they dusted it off a year later. That was so weird. We don't talk about that. Um. Yeah, Mikhail Granlund, another guy that I really, really like. Like, Mikhail Granlund. I still think that was a bad like, trade. I don't think they should have given up Fiala for Granlund. You know, the funny thing, the really funny thing is that Minnesota fans were pissed off about that trade at first. I know, I saw that. That's the funny like, thing. At I first, I was like, like, what a dumb trade. Granlund's like totally the better player right now. But I'm like, oh, and Michael Russo. So much better. Is it Michael Russo who was the guy who wrote the amazing, uh, oh, my God. Uh, what's his The Paul Fentanyl article. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the Paul Fenton article. I believe in that article he was saying like how how Dave Poyle like basically tricked him into getting you know, into into trading him uh, into giving him Granlund for just Fiala. Like that was like part of it. And then like Fiala decides to become Jesus for a couple of months. His and, after, uh, yeah. his offensive production, I think it was a little bit better than Patrick Kane, especially down the stretch. Yeah, and like his his underlying numbers from last year, somebody brought this up. Like Sony put um, brought him up, and like he's he's always always been a really solid player. Like, or sorry, my bad. He's always been a really like uh, really solid player in terms of pushing on uh, possession. It was just a matter of time before the you know the pucks went in and the points started racking up. And it's happening at the exact same time that Nashville's falling apart and Granlin is starting to I don't, I don't think he's regressing, but he's uh he put up thirty points in sixty-three games this year, which is uh Yikes. not good last time I checked, especially for what's he being paid? He's being paid I think it's like five point seven five if my memory serves me correct. Exactly, yeah. Which that's not well, it's not good, but it's not awful because he'll go back to you know. Isn't he a UFA at the end of this year? Uh... Is he? Yes, he is. Oh, man, I wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't happen, but I'd, I'd love to see him in a Blackhawk sweater. Oh, he'd be like a nice like second line guy. Oh yeah, it, I mean we have a million. We need more depth. Yeah, he'd be. I like him as a winger. I like him as a winger. Yeah, definitely. Um, he can play either. And just going before we go back, Buffalo Sabers. Wayne Simmons, UFA this year. Michael Froelich, UFA this year. Sam Reinhardt, RFA this year. Jimmy BC, UFA. Zemgis Gergensen's UFA. Johan Larson, UFA. Dominic Cahoon, RFA. Victor Olsen, RFA. Chris Lazar, RFA. That is going to be a lot of Jesus. You know who could use any of those wingers just to bolster their offense? The Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. Let's talk about the qualifying round. Nice. I like your transitions. And also RFA, Brendan Marcher, RFA, Lawrence Poulet, who I believe already left to the KHL, and then RFA, Elias Homer. So there is going to be changes in Buffalo. There's already been changes. And there's going to be more. So, yeah. So as Jimmy said, let's get into that uh, Edmonton-Chicago series. Obviously, we're a Chicago-centric podcast, so we have to uh, talk about that. So do um, right. you want to start things off by talking about it? Yeah, um, Oilers bad, Blackhawks good. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Oilers are overrated. Uh, Drysdale does not deserve the Hart Trophy. McDavid is a uh, poor man's Jonathan Taves. Um, yeah, I mean, no. Uh, in all seriousness, I actually think the Hawks have a good shot in the series. Um, I mean, that's like kind of. I don't know if that's contrarian, uh, whatever, but yeah, I, I think that um, obviously the Hawks don't really deserve to be in this position, but uh, no, no, no. Not. not at all. No, I, but I think that this is probably one of the better matchups for them. Like I wouldn't take Vegas. Honestly, wouldn't take Vancouver, um, but they, when they've played Edmonton, like they Edmonton, I think in general is much more human than, uh, than the standing show. Um, you look into their, um, they're five and five versus power play production. Uh, that shows a lot. Um, their special teams, like again, their special teams. I'm not trying to discredit them. Like they've had a fantastic power play. I believe it was the number one power play in the league. Um, I think. Penalty like kill. historically good. I want to say was at like 29. percent You know, I want to look it up right now. Yeah, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think the penalty kill was it. It, it was. It was right up there too. I yeah, it's it's well. around two or three at least. Like. They've done a fantastic job on special teams, and I, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Dave Tippett. But speaking of Dave Tippett, I, I mean, I don't think that – again, I don't know that much about this team more than what stats can show. I haven't watched many of their games, but, like, I don't I don't know what he's really brought to the table that's necessarily great aside from a really, really solid special teams, which if you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, you should have a good power play. The penalty kill, I think, is maybe the most impressive thing about the team. Uh, Koskinen has uh, definitely become a very underrated. Okay, so, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, go ahead, yeah. The Oilers penalty kill is second place, 84.14. Guess who's first on the penalty kill? Oh, what's that? Can you guess who's first on the penalty kill in the league? Chicago. No, no, no. San Jose Sharks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're I, I got told that one. I never would have guessed that. There's no way. Yeah, and the Oilers' power play, 29.5%. Yeah, the powerhouse right. matchup we all wanted, the Oilers and the Sharks. The closest team is the Boston Bruins with 25.2 at uh, second. Yeah, I just – I don't know, man. I just <sighs> – I, I trust in Ken Holland is, you know, their team, their, their, I'm not speaking over myself. I, I trust Ken Holland um, as a long-term plan for them, but I just don't know with Dave Tippett, his coach. Like, I don't see him as like, like he's one of those guys where I look at Colleton and I'm not a huge Colleton guy. And I, I don't feel like I'm not worried, you know, like I'm not, I don't feel like that's much of a threat. Like he's he's a fine coach, but really, again, probably they're Edmonton fans can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I just don't see, I, I just don't see very much from Dave Tippett. Like I don't see him as like a a, a guy to worry about across the bench. Um, yeah, just looking at I do I will say, I will say Edmonton's offense. I love I love what they do with their offense later in the year. That again, Ken Holland. I love what he's doing so far. Uh, Athanasiu is a guy that I, I know I'm not the only person that was saying that he's the he's the perfect winger to put with McDavid. And I think he would be – was he injured? Wasn't he injured? I think he was, yeah. Yeah, he should be healthy. I'm sure he'd be healthy. Um, 
I'm gonna, you know, I'll check that um, in just a second. But assuming he's healthy, you've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, James Neal, who can he can do something in the playoffs. I'm, you know, he's old, yes, and he overperformed to the highest amount possible to the beginning of the year, but I'm sure he could still make an impact. Athanasiu, perfect with McDavid. Chason, uh, still a solid piece. Uh, Zach Cassian, I think, had a decent year. You can have Dreisaitl throw pucks off of him or whatever. Jujar Kara is a solid bottom six piece. Archibald's nice. Um, Guyton Haas does not exist. Um, Riley Shane's a nice fourth line center. Tyler Ennis is a very underrated piece. And, uh, that was a great pickup by them. I think the only idea is like, Patrick Russell does not exist either. Um, uh, let's see. Andres, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that their offense. Oh, did I not mention Yamamoto? No, I don't think you did. He's I, like point per game. How did I? Yeah, how did I mention him? He was the he was the reason I wanted to talk about their offense. I think that he's he's a guy that like I think they did a great job of like giving they didn't rush the like they usually do. Yeah, they gave him they gave him the time he needed. And now he's. He's fucking lighting it up. Like they're he, doing the same with uh, Evan Bouchard too, which is good. He yes. had like a pretty good AHL season as like a twenty-year-old. Yeah, I pulled his rookie card yesterday, so we can't fuck that up. Um, let's see, Athens, you. I don't try to look at a. Oh my god! Oh man, I can't. How am I gonna become a popular podcaster if I can't look up these things fast? What are you trying to? <laughs> Let's see. He was hurt in his second game and avoided serious injury. Da, 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 da. Oh, he was expected to be available for like, like later in the hurt. So. Oh, he's gonna be able. To yeah. Play. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. So he's in there. I'm crazy. Um, I mean, so on defense, uh, I'm. I would gotta say, if you're an Edmonton fan, it's really nice. The cleft bomb actually has like time to recover like and not uh I, I don't know where he's been with injury but it feels like that guy's always playing through something so a few months off for him is i'm sure is always appreciated larson uh according to you and a lot of people has actually been really solid um as a always oh, good defensively yeah yeah the more yeah. thing with adam larson is whenever his name is brought up it, you can it's forever Taylor Hall. yeah it's the same thing with sod and panarin it's that same idea yeah they're good players, players, but they're just not as good as the players they got traded for. If if you traded for Adam Larson, like a like a fourth, third, third or fourth round pick for Adam Larson, like oh, he, like he yeah, like if you and if you found a way to trade like a a decent guy, like you, maybe you flipped a like a middle six winger or like a middle top six winger for Saad and a pick, and you know that that player doesn't completely work out, or you know a prospect and he doesn't work out whatever you know you don't give up that much it's like oh you got sod back and that's fantastic it's i don't know it's a shame for the player uh chris russell i can't say i know if he's he's been solid no he's not good okay that's what i thought yeah he gives up uh, to whenever they're on it like the whole thing with uh chris russell is that he's known as this really good shot blocker but whenever he's on the ice he's just like a black hole so many chances go in the the other way Darnell Nurse is awesome, and I wish he was on my team. Uh, Mike Green, why? Uh, <laughs> Matthew Benning. Matthew Benning's a solid. He's like a you know, solid 
pairing and bottom pairing guy. Caleb apparently Ethan Bear is really good. Oh and I didn't know he's good. Yeah, see I knew he was decent. I didn't know like apparently defensively he's very good too. So or see that's apparently like I'm I'm told I can't wait to find out that he's awful. But um yeah, apparently he and Jones are pretty underrated. Caleb Jones, the better uh Jones brother. Obviously. Wait, another Jones brother? Yeah, Caleb Jones. Oh no! I mean, like, no, I mean, like, as a joke, like, oh, there's another Jones, like Seth Jones. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, I'm just slow today. That's my bad. Oh, <laughs> this is what I get for making you wait till one in the morning to do a podcast. Oh Jeez. no, it's it's earlier here than it is for you. Oh, oh, see, it's only midnight where you are. You're fine. Oh yeah, exactly. But yeah, I guess I'm kind of just running through players. I guess that just that doesn't really say much, but yeah, just to look, but to look at their um. Look at their roster. Like it's a roster that it's you know it's better than I remembered it, but it's not like it reminds me of the Hawks where it's really solid up top, like very very top heavy offensively, and um, you know as it goes down, it's not great, but you know it's 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 solid. Um, I could definitely. Uh, I mean, let me look at the Hawks though. Like I, I could, I feel like you know offensively, like I don't see the Hawks being anything like. They're not, you know, they don't have the McDavid and Drysdale. They have Kane, but you know, after that, I don't feel like it's crazy to say that they can match up with them. Yeah, Kane, Taves, Sod, uh, Zach Smith is—he's injured for sure. He's done. Kajula, I love Kajula. Uh, Carpenter, Camp, Doc, Kubalik. Oh, a lot of the okay, so a lot of the players. I'm, as I'm going down the, uh, a lot of younger guys with uh, entry level contracts that are. Uh, producing offensively. Yeah, they're not – you know what? I might put Edmonton above the Hawks offensively. I might. I feel like the Hawks are more, like, smoothed out. You know, like, they're a little more well-rounded offensively. Like, they're not as top-heavy, actually, the more I look at it. Like, you've got Kane. You've got Taves. you got – like, Saad, really, you were saying earlier, maybe the most consistent player this year for the Hawks. You know, Kajula – has been really good when he's healthy. Really, really solid uh, middle six. Like, well, you know what? Really solid anywhere in the lineup where he is. But he's great in the bottom six when you put him there. Um, Carpenter has been fantastic in his role. The uh, great defensively, uh, not so good offensively. Yeah, like he's fine offensively. He, I think he, I think he drives possession a bit, but that might have been when he was playing on Vegas. I can't say I remember. But yeah, he doesn't really put up any points. But defensively, he's he's like your Marcus Kruger. He's fantastic defensively. I want to say I saw this poster. It's like um, Patrick Kane was like given the anti-defensive award just because like he's so bad when he like on in his own end. And like someone said that he, his best bet would be uh, Ryan Carpenter at a center or something like that. Like honestly, yeah, you know, he he played with him for a minute and he wasn't bad. That's the funny thing. Because Carpenter's so good defensively that he'll just make up for his woes and then King will obviously contribute offensively. Exactly. Like you're not gonna put the most points, but it's yeah, the most well rounded you can get him. And then Camp Camp's solid defensively, he's a nice, you know. He he's like the kind of guy where like if I'm you know, if I'm an Edmondson fan looking at this, I'm like, yeah, he doesn't exist. Um Kirby Doc, you know. Best center in the league, best rookie of the year for sure, easily. Um, Dominic Kubalik is see Kubalik. I man, I think he's going to have a great playoffs. Um, Brandon Hagel, I don't know if he's even. I don't think he's even going to play. He was an emergency loan when he was last up. Nylander looked better lately, but I'm not so sure he's really anything just yet. 
Uh, Strom, I'm I see Strom and Debrinket. I think they're definitely going to uh, pop off in the playoffs. They've definitely been going under the radar just because they had kind of off years. Right, like Debrinket was shooting at a seven, like a seven point six shooting percentage or something like that, and he had like twelve and fifteen respectively the years before. Like he's gonna he's gonna be better than this. Um, Strom was injured and just you know kind of a sophomore slump. He really had his first year. People are saying that Strom had a down year, but he was, I think he was still on pace. His points were 55 the same as last year. Sorry? It was gonna, he was on pace to have the same amount of points as last year. Yeah, he was on pace for like 55 points despite all the injuries and inconsistencies. I yeah. Know. No, no, you're, you're right. I was, I was looking that up lately. Yeah, so he – while he was definitely – I think it's because he was – people are looking at the pace that he played with the Hawks – yeah, he didn't. He definitely didn't play up to the pace he did with the Hawks last year. Oh, and, no, I he mean, he was like close to point per game last year when he joined. Yeah, the he was on a bender here, so he kind of. I feel like it would it would be unfair to ever to to expect him to do that. Um, but he still didn't. He had an off year, but he still was. He was still playing pretty well, and that's even with injuries. Like he had an injury or two in there too. So, I think that even then, I think he'll still play better than he did in the playoffs. You know, having all this time to be. Rested up. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel that Edmonton is more top heavy uh, than the Hawks for sure. But I think that I, I think I think the Hawks are a little more well rounded on offense. But that's I'm sure there's some bias speaking there. But I don't know. I think that offense. I think I could take that matchup uh, defensively. That's easily. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Edmonton by far, like by a mile. Um, I'm taking I'm taking Edmonton. I mean, unless you want, I mean, there's, you got Connor Murphy is our best guy right now. Um, Connor Murphy is kind of for us what Larson is to them. I think that's a fair comparison. I think they won the same draft. Real? Oh, yeah. 2011. 2011, yeah. And then, yeah, then you got Duncan. Duncan Keith had a really solid year um, for where he's at right now, age-wise and in his career. So, I, I mean Duncan Keith. He's he's solid this year, but you got yeah Keith Murphy, but and and both I think both fists. And here's something I I was thinking of. You're sort of gonna get guys like both fists and Doc. You're sort of gonna see their their uh well for Kirby Doc his uh his D plus one year. You're sort of gonna see um. Or I guess D plus two, but you're gonna see both fist D plus three. Like you're gonna like these these guys have already played in the NHL for a season and they're having the summer off. Like they're basically playing the next season. Like this is a next step for these guys. So I could see both fist and Doc having decent playoffs, but even if both fist takes another like another small step and you have Murphy and Keith, like that those are the three best defensemen you have in this team. That's it. Like, there's nothing after that. Well, I would uh, say Colin DeHaan. Oh, oh yeah, he's – okay. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot he existed, and I love that guy. It was just like – I think mentally it was like, yeah, this guy's just done. Like, he was done for the year. But, no, okay, so, yeah, you have DeHaan. So, I don't mind that then. I don't hate that um, as a top four. Like, a Keith, Murphy, DeHaan, Boakfist. I just wonder, is that really enough, you know? Is that enough yeah, to match up against McDavid and Drysaddle? Well, like I said, I think they're top heavy, but I just yeah, you said earlier like when Drysaddle and McDavid want to go, they go. 
that's the one thing I'm worried about with uh, for the Hawks defense. But uh, you were gonna say something. Well, um, so I have like a whole article, <laughs> basically like uh, kind of breaking it down step for step. Like, what would give uh, Blackhawks the best chance to win the series? And you've been kind of talking about it, but uh, just going for the defensive perspective. Uh, I have Keith. Well, I think to like kind of maximize uh, their potential, I guess. Uh, the first pairing I'd put Keith and Murphy because um, you can put either of them against the McDavid or Dreisler line. You probably gonna lean on that pairing to play all the tough minutes and um, in fifteen minutes and ten uh, seconds of even strength play against the McDavid. And uh, whenever the Oilers played, uh, or whenever the Blackhawks played the Oilers this year, they had a 75% Corsi, a 56.4% expected goals for, and a 50% high danger chances for percentage against McDavid in that amount of time. And so, and the, the big thing was they held McDavid to zero points. So if you can do that, or even like, like at least drive play and like keep him to like only a couple points, like that's a, huge uh, win, and that's what you got to do against McDavid. You can never completely shut him down. You can only try to neutralize him and, I guess, keep him in check. And I think... You have to contain him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think putting Keith and Murphy together would be the uh, best, uh, I guess, solution or whatever. Um, you can also put Keith and Bofus together. I just think that uh, together, Keith and Murphy... I don't know, man. I think I like the first one. Yeah, I feel like I feel like putting Bocus in the first line is just kind of like throwing him to the wolves, you know. Yeah, um, and just in looking at their stats in general, in 190 minutes and four seconds of even strength play together, that pairing put up a 51.8 percent Corsi, a 45.1 expected goals for percentage, and a 50 percent high danger chances for percentage. So when they're on ice, usually uh, chances are going their way. Um, looking at Dahan and Bokefist as a potential second pairing, like in theory, uh, Dahan kind of more as a stay-at-home defensive guy. Bokefist can kind of uh, jump up in the play, but they've had pretty much no time together, so it's kind of yeah. hard to tell like what they could do together. Whereas Keith and Murphy, like you know, they're when they're good together, they're good defensively and do a pretty decent job of driving play. And the third pairing is uh, Mata and Cuckoo, and they've arguably you could argue they've been probably our best. Uh, um, our best defensive pairing, if you just look off the, the numbers, and um, 367 minutes and 46 seconds of even strength play, that pairing together put up a 53% Corsi, a 55.5% expected goals for, and a 54% high danger chances for percentage. So, honestly, like as much as the Blackhawks defense is pretty weak, if you can roll those six players out like that, isn't the end of the world. So, yeah. You know, I've been on this uh, this kind of hype train for a while, and no, it's not Nick Sealer. Um, Lucas Carlson, I'd love to see uh, him get like bottom pairing minutes. Yeah, like, that's the uh, thing too. If one of them goes down, or they yeah. just want to decide to get Carlson in there, like you can comfortably put him in there because I thought he was great down like the like the ten games he played or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't see him. Like I'm not. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say my uh, fan goggles are so clouded up that I think he's some like top four guy, but I think he's like, I think he's a really solid, like a uh, bottom pairing guy. Like he's the kind of guy you want there um, on a good team. Uh, he could, he, he looked solid on the second pairing, but he also plays in the Blackhawks. So it's kind of not that hard to do that. But, um, I could see like, yeah, I wouldn't want to throw him to the wolves either. Like just put him in their first game, but I could see him in a, 
I think he and Cuckoo had some time together. I think they played together uh, a couple of games. Fuck, am I even in the game I was at against Edmonton? Yeah, but he, uh, you know, he wasn't <laughs> that game in particular. He wasn't, he didn't look too brilliant. Uh, I think he got burned by uh, Dreisaitl um, on a play. I believe he uh, lost his man in front uh, on a goal. But but uh, aside from that, I do like his game a lot. I think that, um, yeah, now that you mentioned DeHaan in there, that does definitely, it, it at least gives, it, I feel like that gives you some stability. Like, I, I think you can rely on Keith. Um, like this year's Keith, if he continues his play, I think you can uh, rely on him to carry a bit of the load. Um, especially with Murphy, I think that they complement each other really well. Um, Murphy definitely has a little more speed than Keith does, and Keith Keith is just better, a little bit uh, smarter defensively than Murphy is. Um, just just he's just a workhorse, and Keith is just a workhorse. We all know that. So you can always, you know, the Hawks are always lucky to have that from him. Uh, and the Han and Bofus, though, like you mentioned that one. The I'm not – I mean, like you said, we don't have any um, – any uh, – Evidence. Ice time. Like, yeah, we have nothing. Prior stats, yeah. Like that could show yeah, that nothing to base an opinion off of. But, like, in theory, it's it's good. But, like, I don't know I, – I just don't know how a guy like Bofus – like, even if you talk about him, like, you know, years and years into the future, like – we don't know yet if he's, you know, solid enough defensively to hold his, uh, hold his own. But I do like the steps he took during uh, near the end of the season. So if he can surprise me, that would be fantastic. I think I just this one about Bofus. I just worry that I, like, I, I feel like um, there's just all like because he, he's like that, that Eric Carlson type you know, uh, where he's not as good defensively. And obviously Eric Carlson is good enough defensively. And even if he wasn't, uh, he makes up for it offensively. But right now in his career, it's like, I, I just kind of feel like going against, like, it's not just like, oh, he's in his first play. Cause every, every player is their first playoff, you know, their first playoffs. But like this guy's going up against fucking Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Like, welcome to the playoffs kid, you know? Jesus. Yeah, so um, kind of compared, or at least looked at the Blackhawks defense, and I'm going just back to my article, but uh, I looked at potential lines, and the first line I would go Saad, Taves, Kubelik, and the interesting thing is on how they would match up these defensive pairings and forward lines against uh, the Oilers, because even though there's going to be like no real home ice advantage because you're not playing in Edmonton, you're not playing in Chicago, it's probably going to be in Vegas, Um but Edmonton being the higher seed, I believe they'll get the uh, the first change or the last change, sorry, in there because uh, they're going to have the home, well, technically they have the home ice advantage for, I think it's game one, game two, and game five. And then the Blackhawks will have that uh, last change in game three and game four. And if I'm the Blackhawks in the, the game three and game four, or even just in general, like I'm probably going to try to put Saad Taves Kubelik against the McDavid line. Um, Small sample size, but six thirteen of even strength play against McDavid. The Sautés Kubelik line had a sixty percent course. He has seventy seven point one expected score percentage and a sixty six point seven high danger chance score percentage. So you're hoping that trend. That good? Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> so you're ho- so you're hoping you're, you're hoping when you put that line against McDavid that I can. It's going to be hard to contain McDavid, but. Um, yeah, at least hoping to, get, to at least like neutralize them and push play the other way. Because the thing with McDavid, as great as a player he is, like his line 
gets out chance or like when he's on the ice, he gets out chance, he gets out shot. So you can definitely, uh, it's not like he's unstoppable, but the thing with McDavid, he can just blow past everyone and score like a highlight real goal. So that's kind of the same thing with uh, Leon Dreisaitl as well. And the second line, Nylander, I would go Nylander, Strom, and Kane. Um, you would want to play them against the bottom six of the Oilers just because Kane could just fucking eat them up. Is Taves and McDavid the uh, first time in NHL history that um, a father and son have played against each other? No, I believe uh, Gordie Howe played with his children or, or child. Or I think it was Mark Howe or something like that. But oh, unfortunately, well, it's cool to see Taves play uh, against his son in this series. But. Uh, the Neander Strumkin actually had really good numbers. I was actually kind of impressed. That was fantastic. Um, um, especially against the Oilers, they had in 13.27 of even strength play, they have against the Oilers, they had a 52.6% Corsi, a 58.3 expected goals for, and a 50% high danger chances for. Um, and just overall, in general, this season, they had a 49.2% Corsi, which isn't amazing, but you look at the expected goals for 51.4%, and then the high danger chances for. 53.9% in 110 minutes of 55 seconds of even strength play. So, um, again, you probably want to get this line out against uh, one of their bottom six lines. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I feel like, well, I guess, well, there's defense as well. And, you know, Edmonton's defense, I, I like it a lot. But um, in terms of forwards, I, I feel like with Edmonton, I, I if you want to pull up, the stats you could um you don't really you don't have to but i mean i i I feel i feel very good about putting uh like for example yeah strom strom nylander kane i'd I'd love that against the line like uh like archibald shahan yeah yeah. like yeah or if you want to do that later yeah Yeah. Uh, i guess uh well what i can give um you already got the numbers out there i i could just speak uh just from my eye test, um, which doesn't mean the most, but it means uh, nothing, obviously. It means absolutely nothing because numbers exist. Yeah. I'm idiots. Oh my god! Don't you know the game is played on a spreadsheet and not the ice, Jimmy? God. Exactly. God. I, you know what? More people need to play the game. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these damn zoomers and their goddamn articles and their goddamn media apps and their, their, media and app. their, and their fucking basement. <laughs> exactly. I'm in the basement right now, so I'm actually quite hurt by that. But please go on. Um, but no, uh, the game it was uh, again final game of the season. I'll never not be thankful that I was there. Um, yeah, that was easily Alex Neander's best game as a Blackhawk. Like they're by far. I mean, he had a pretty good game. I guess you could argue the Calgary game. He was uh, um, that one's up there. But uh, he looked. He just looked fantastic in every every single. Uh, part of the game defensively neutral zone offensively he I, I believe um yeah his own goal he and it was in the neutral zone he strips uh somebody a uh, sharks player of the puck takes it gets the strom strom gives it back and just rips it right into the net um i believe he set kane up for his for kane's last goal kane uh fed him in the slot just complete howitzer just misses the far post uh i mean he could have easily had a hat trick that game uh the way he was playing so uh, I don't want to be the person who gets too hopeful on this guy because he seems to uh, show up one night and not the next. But um, no, the last few games he seemed to be playing pretty well. In that last game, it felt like 
of course, uh, coronavirus has to hit the rest of the season, but it felt like the, uh, coronavirus. Yeah, and he uh, and uh, because of that, we haven't seen anything more from him. But no, I think I don't want to get on the hype train of Alex Nylander and get my hopes up. But he did look he did look pretty solid near the end of the uh, near the end of the year. And you know what? If you put him with Kane, you put him with Kane uh, and Strom. Yeah, like I could see him doing something with Kane, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um, what do you want to get into next? Oh, so yeah, so I was just going to finish the four lines here. So my third line would be Debrinkit, Nock, and Kajula. Um, again, you would want to match that against one of the bottom six uh, Oilers lines. And uh, small sample size, but they played 10 minutes and 40 seconds of even strength play against the Oilers this season. And in that uh, little time frame, they had a 68.2% course. He has 79.8 per set expected goal for uh, yeah, I cannot talk. 79.8% expected goals for and get this, they had a 100% high danger chances for <laughs> and overall and overall this season they had a 50% course he has 62.1 expected goals for and a 61.6 high danger chances for percentage in 47 minutes and 4 seconds of even strength play so when they're together I think that's not bad but I'm just making sure I'm getting it too to bring it and Kajula right yeah Solid together, yeah. I like that line. Yeah, that'd be a nice third line. Again, you'd want to play that against one of the Oilers' bottom six lines. So I mentioned earlier that you would want to play the Sontaves Kublik line against one of McDavid or Drysdale, probably McDavid, because they had good success against them. This fourth yeah. line, I actually did the like look again. Of course, I looked at the numbers, and I was kind of surprised at how good they did. But the fourth line, I would go Kampf, Carpenter, and Highmore. Um, you want to put that with uh, against Leon Dreisaitl because I looked at Leon Dreisaitl's stats on 5-on-5, five five, not very good. Uh, 48.2% course you for him, a 49.2% expected goals for, and a 49% high danger chances for. So if you can at least neutralize that Dreisaitl line or whatever, um, like I, that, again, that's just doing their job. Like this season, the Camp Carpenter Highmore line had a 54.6% course, he had 50.5 expected goals for percentage, and a 62.5 high danger chances for in 53 minutes and seven seconds of even strength play. So, again, not a small sample. So, yeah, um, so you want to put the Nylander, Strom Kane, and the Debrinket Dockage line against uh, the, their bottom six, and then you give the the heavy matchup, uh, Sante's Kublik to McDavid and probably Camp Carpenter Highmore against Drysaddle. So if I we love can get that. those middle six lines to just tear apart and score goals on uh, the Oilers on their bottom six and at least neutralize uh, or like get the first line and fourth line to at least neutralize the McDavid and uh, Drysaddle line, I really, really like the uh, Blackhawks' chances. And just kind of looking at the defensive stats for the Oilers, it's I'd say it's kind of just a wash. I don't know if you could really give the advantage to either the Blackhawks or the uh, the Oilers, but when I looked at the numbers, I believe Nurse and Bear actually had the most uh, even strength time play of any defensive pairing this season. They had a 49.3% Corsi, a 49.1% expected goal for, and a 52% high danger chances for. So it's kind of just meh for first pairing. Then you look at Clefbaum and Larson, 505 minutes and 22 seconds of even strength play. Uh, 47.5% Corsi, a 50.4 expected goals for, and a 53.8 high danger chance for percentage. So, again, kind of just meh. And then Russell and Benning, uh, 45.5 or 46.5% Corsi, a 50% expected goals for, and a 49.2% high danger chance for in 226 minutes of even strength play. So, you 
So you, I mean, it's it's nothing amazing. It's not like horrible either. It's just kind of yeah, it's kind of same stuff. Yeah, built, yeah. built where there's blue line, but getting into the goaltending, which we haven't really talked much about, uh, this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Corey Crawford, for the Chicago Blackhawks perspective, Corey Crawford without a doubt is better than uh, either one of Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen. At, he had a 9.26 save percentage at even strength, a 7.5 goal saved above average, and a 8.64 high danger save percentage, which is going to play a big part. Um, just in general, he had a 2.77 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage, which is very good, especially for his age. And even look at the fact that he had a rough start to the year. I think I want to say since New Year, his uh, save percentage in general was just above 9.25, which is elite. I don't care what you say about that, but uh, looking at the Edmonton Oilers, they 100% should absolutely start Miko Koskinen. Just look at Miko Koskinen's 5-on-5 stats. It shouldn't even be a debate. Like, 924 save percentage, uh, 4.53 goals saved above average, and 851 high danger save percentage. Then you took a look at Mike Smith. 900 save percentage at even strength. A negative 16.26 goals saved above average, which I believe was like second last in the league behind Martin Jones. And then a 776 high danger save percentage. 100% the Edmonton Oilers should be starting Miko Koskinen. But if you look but at who their coach is... Dude, he has playoff experience. Yeah, that and also... He's been there. He's been there. He's been bad there, but he's been there. And you also look at the head coach... Uh, Dave Tippett, who, if guy. you remember 2012, Mike Smith was very good against the Chicago Blackhawks, but that was eight years ago. Is Mike Smith going to uh, bring the same performance? I don't think so. 100% the Evans Oilers should be starting Nico Koskinen, but Mike's, they might they might just start Mike Smith just because, yeah, playoff experience, yeah, Dave Tippett, that whole thing. I, you know what's funny, too, is that Mike's – I can't even say he played five games last year. Mike Smith in the playoffs, nine seventeen save percentage. He wasn't the reason why the Flames lost in that. Play. That's the funny but thing, you know. What? I will definitely give him that, but it's man, like if he performs well, great. But like, but if you look at what you have here and you say Mike Smith, I don't know what to tell you. But can you reasonably justify just saying, "Yeah, I'm going to put Mike Smith in over uh, Maple oh, no. Absolutely not. So absolutely not. So. Offense, I'd say it's equal. I agree with you in the point that uh, the Oilers' uh, offense is definitely more top-heavy, but I definitely think the Blackhawks can take advantage in that bottom six. It really depends on the matchup. The defense is a wash. They're both just kind of average, but this is where the Blackhawks have a huge advantage, in my opinion. And even though as good as Miko Koskinen is and they 100% should start him, Corey Crawford is going to be better than either choice. And if it's, I think it's going to be a a high-tempo um, high high goal scoring series, and it might come down to as it always does in hockey, what goalie can make that big save? And I think Corey Crawford can give you that. I don't yes. know if uh, Miko Koskinen and uh, Mike Smith can. But uh, ooh, I was today years old when I learned that Miko Koskinen was six foot seven. Holy shit! Yeah, I know he's a, he's a big guy. Um, so prediction: Who do you think is going to win this series? Uh, Hawks and five. Yeah, that's I have the same two. I, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all if the Oilers win in five as well. I think it's going to be a close, high goal scoring series. But as I said, it's going to come down to that big save, and I think Corey Crawford can lead to that. I don't know if either one of the Oilers boys can give it to you. And and if we can at least neutralize uh, 
Dry Sidle McDavid, five on five style penalty box as good as their penalty kill was, I think we definitely can win this series. And you know hey, I don't have Valerie in his shoe skin, so I'm I don't know, man. I'm feeling pretty good. And you know like someone like this is more intangible stuff, but you know someone like Patrick Kane is gonna be motivated to play. Obviously the Oilers yeah. have Dry Sidle McDavid that are motivated to play. They haven't played in the playoffs since twenty seventeen, but either of the block is gonna be ready to play, you know Tays is gonna be ready to play and one point that I've really – I, I was listening to a Wingfield podcast. I don't know if you gave them a listen, but one thing I heard, like one point I really took off from was that the defense and the goaltending is going to be rusty, but you know the offense is going to be there. So if yes. Nathan King can get going early, I really like our chances in the series. And honestly, I think we can beat the Oilers. They probably couldn't have asked for a better matchup in, the, in this uh, qualifying round, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. I've been saying the same thing. I think this is kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of just really lucky for the Hawks. Um, I'm looking at all the other, just to back up that statement. Yeah, I would literally take nobody else. Flames, Jets, I don't want either of those. You know, Wild, I'd take the Wild. Yeah, I'd take the Wild. It's the fucking Minnesota Wild. Like, who and plus, <laughs> we, have that, we have that past playoff experience against them where we just kicked them up and down the street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, Nick has nightmares. For sure. All right. So we're in agreement. Blackhawks in five. Honestly, I really don't care how it plays out. I think it's going to be an entertaining series. That's all I can really ask for because I honestly, like, I didn't expect the Blackhawks to ever be in this position. So if they win, that's a win. And if they lose, well, they get a high draft pick. So, and guys like Dak and Boakfist and even like Debrinka and Strom and Murphy, guys who've never played in the playoffs before. Well, I don't know if you technically call it the playoffs, but like playing in big games like these, like that's that's gonna be big for them going forward. See, Mike Smith has done well in the playoffs before, but he hasn't ever played in the qualifying round, so I'm not sure how you can really put him in there. So, well, technically, check. no one's ever played in the qualifying round, so exactly. everyone's in that same boat. But uh, yeah, that's our preview of the Blackhawks. Uh, Whaler series. I know a lot of uh, deep dive into it, but uh, we are Blackhawks fans over, over, overall. And over the next while, little while, we'll be going through uh, the other uh, four playoffs. Or no, not four. Jesus, how many is it? Uh, About eight in total? or Yeah, eight in total. I don't know, Something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll go in those other playoff series. So, it was finally nice to do a podcast. Almost two hours of this. Incredible. Oof. But... Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, Jimmy. Um, it's nice to have you back. And, yeah, we'll definitely do uh, be more consistent on the podcast. Just life has been crazy in general in our personal lives. But, uh, yeah, definitely we'll do more podcasts for the future. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, please leave any feedback. Please share this with friends if you listen to this. So thanks for tuning in. And hope you guys have a good one. Peace. Stay safe, everyone.